of giving my children debit cards. She opened up bank accounts for them because she didn't want me having access to their money. She said, I, my mom, we have this tradition in our home. Every year of your birth equals $10 at your birthday. So if you're 10, you get $100. If you're 13, you get $130. And all of my kids and every one of the, the kids in my family, my nieces and my nephews, they get very excited when they hit 10, that double-digit number, because that's when they get the $100, and they get really excited about that money. And what wound up happening is that my, my kids would leave this money laying around, and every once in a while, I'd need like $10. And since they're living in my house rent-free, I just feel just obligated to take a little dad tax. You know, a dad tax. Like if you get a bag of M&Ms and you give it to your kids, you always put your hand out like this because you got to get your three or four pieces to get your dad tax. I paid for that. So my mom said, no, nah, we got to get them a bank account because, you know, I know I gave them money and your kids are always asking me for more money. And look, my mom is not, look, don't be fooled by it. My mom actually puts them to work. Early labor. She puts them to work. She gives them like a dollar an hour. And my kids will sit there shredding papers for her to earn money. And she will zell them, not $10 an hour. She is being very generous. But they will work and she will zell them money. Um, What wound up happening is that my kids, now that they had access to these debit cards, started to question how they could order things online. Dad, I want to order this, and Dad, I want to order that. And I remember when we would start giving them the ability to order things, I'd see a difference in them after they ordered the thing that they wanted. I'd see them get very, very anxious, very nervous, wondering when is the thing that I ordered coming? And my sons would order like little helicopters, little little crazy things, little insignificant things, off of Amazon, and they would wait impatiently for them to come. And every day I'd have to ask, I have to answer to them when they would ask me, when is what I ordered coming? Now we can look at that as adults, and we can say, I mean, that's just impatient children. You know, they're always going to be looking for things like that. You ever had any children, you know how impatient children can be. But listen, I don't know about you, but when I order something on Amazon, Oh, I'm immediately going to my email and I'm looking for my confirmation number and my tracking number because I want to know when it's coming. Anyone with me? Only me and you, John. Only people here honest that want to admit that once I order something, I'm just like my kids, except I don't have no one to run to. What I run to is my email to get the tracking number that will tell me when the order is coming. And one of the most frustrating things is when you get your tracking number and you enter it into USPS or UPS or FedEx and it says tracking information is not available at this time. Have you ever been there? 
where you've had it and you put the order in and you got the tracking number, but it tells you tracking check at a later date. And so that messes with me because I'm anxious and I'm always wanting to have these. I wonder where my kids get it. They get it from me. I, I'm, I will then almost every hour on the hour wonder, okay, I got a tracking number. When is it going to be on its way? When is the thing that I am anticipating and expecting going to be on its way? And then look, and then when it tells me your item has shipped, I get even worse. Because now I'm waiting by the window, even though it's told me it's three days away, hoping that maybe somehow it got expedited to express shipping or overnight. And I just, I'm waiting to see the UPS driver walk up to my door, the USPS person. Listen, I've been so, I'm not even going to, I have stopped my USPS driver while they were three mailboxes down to say, hey, you got a package for me. I'm not even lying to you. And they say, well, you're going to have to wait until we deliver. I said, no, I'm not going to be home, and I don't want it to be there. I don't want it to be sitting in my, in my mailbox, and I have to take my li- I already know the whole routine. i got to take my license out. i got to show them. And then she, they always look at me crazy, but they have to go and dig out my package because I'm too, I'm too anxious. I want what I ordered on time, even early. What's, what's the worst message you can get is when you get the message saying, it was due today, but your package has been delayed. Has that ever happened to you? Have you been told that today is a delivery date for whatever it is that you purchased, and you waited, and you were anxious, and you scheduled your day around being there to be able to sign for it, and then all of a sudden, it's 4 o'clock, and you know the mail comes at 2, and it's empty, and you don't know why, and then you check your email, and you refresh, and you refresh, and you refresh. Is that my only person? Refresh, maybe an email, and then finally, you see that your delivery has been delayed. I've been through many times where my package was stuck somewhere or was in another mailbox or delivered to the wrong place or returned, and I've experienced delayed deliveries. What I want to talk to you about today is not a delay in your delivery of whatever it is you got on Amazon, of the thing that you ordered from, uh, I don't know, wish.com or whatever place that you frequent online, uh, I want to talk to you today about delayed deliveries of God's promises in your life. And by the sounds of it, each one of y'all don't ever have to worry about things not being on time because y'all didn't shout amen. And I know that when I came up with that title, I said they would appreciate that because they know what it's like to be waiting and anticipation for God's promises, but then experience delays. I know I feel that way, and I know that I've been there many, many times. And we're going to go back into Genesis, not to talk about Abram, but to talk about his wife, Sarah. Because the promises that God has for Abram are, are intricately intertwined with Sarah. Let me just tell something to you, husbands. Your promise is usually connected to your wife. 
Usually, God's promise for your life will come as it is connected to the woman that you're married to. I know you don't want to hear that, but I'm just telling you, that woman, God has a promise for her as well. Come on. It's a good promise. It's something that God wants to accomplish in and through her. And just like Adam could not accomplish what God had for him on this earth without Eve, neither will you. So the minute you try to do things on your own, you will fail. Here is, we've been studying Abraham. It's been incredible. If you like the study of Abraham, God told Abram in chapter 11 that he was going to have children. And God told him in chapter 12, it was going to be a, a, a huge number of children. And I want to teach you the story of Sarah and what God will do in your life when you are experiencing delays in the delivery of his promise. And we're going to go through six chapters. I know, sounds crazy, but we're going to do it. And it's Saturday night. You ain't got nowhere to go. But two hours, we're going to be here for two hours. No big deal. I'm joking. 30 minutes. I promise we'll get out of here. Everyone's laughing because you don't believe me. I get it. In Jesus' names. Who is Sarah? All we've been studying is Abram, and who he will become later is Abraham, the father of the nation. Who is Sarah? I'm going to call her Sarah because it's going to hurt my brain to remember that at this time, her name is Sarai. You need to know that up front. The woman that we meet in chapter 11 is not Sarah yet. She is Sarai with an I at the end. It's significant because it means that God is going to do something in her life that changes the identity of this woman. It's important so that you can see what God wants to do in and through you and what he wants to do in your life. We meet Sarah, Sarai, in chapter 11 of Genesis, and we actually have one verse dedicated to summarizing who she is, and it's found in Genesis chapter 11, verse 30. It talks about Abram, and then we're introduced to his wife, Sarai, and this is what it says about Sarai in Genesis chapter 11, verse 30. It says, and Sarai was barren and had no children. That's all we get from her. Genesis chapter 11, put it up if we have it. Genesis chapter 11, verse 30 says very plainly, this is who she is. This is what she is all about. This is who she is in the eyes of others. She is barren and she has no child. This is important for us to understand and to emphasize now because the promise that God has for Abram is intricately intertwined with Sarai's ability to have children. The promise is not just land. The problem is, is the promise is also children. And so in chapter 11, verse 30, we meet Sarai, and she is barren up until this point. She is 65 years old, and she has absolutely no child to claim as her own. Why is this important? Because she is 65 when the promise is made. 65 years old when the promise is made. Abram is 75. He's 10 years older, and at this point, God speaks to Abram and also speaks about a promise that's intricately intertwined 
with her, and that's who Sarai is. She is known as being barren. This is important because she is known for what is wrong with her. She is known for what she has not done, for what she has not been able to do, and for her failures at this time, in, in this time in the Bible, if a woman did not have children to create heirs, they were considered useless. So here is Sarai, and she feels useless because she's 65, and she's known for what's wrong with her. And maybe you know what it's like to be known for the, some things that are negative in your life. Oh, you're the person that's been through a divorce. Oh, you're the person who deals with an addiction. Oh, you're the person that seems to always get things wrong. Oh, you're the person that comes from this family, and that was your mother, and that's your father. And oh, you come from that side of town, Greens Point. And oh, you might be from the south side. Have you ever been known for what's wrong with you? It's at this point that if, if you've ever, even if no one's identified you with the things that are failures in your life, maybe you think of yourself this way. When you identify yourself, I'm the one with this addiction. I'm the one with this failure. I'm the one that can never keep a job. I'm the one who struggles with this, this temptation. I'm the one who struggles to get this right. Sarai is barren. She has no children. And this is exactly when God speaks the promise over her. In her barrenness, God speaks life. In the moment where there is nothing left in her to be able to produce life, God promises life. Here's what we know about Sarai. Sarai is beautiful. The Bible tells us that she's beautiful. Pharaoh wanted her. Remember when we studied about Abram going to Egypt, and she was already 60-something years old, and Pharaoh still wanted her. She was that beautiful. She was beautiful on the outside, but dead on the inside. Here's what I want to say. She was known to be beautiful. She was married to a successful man. She was beautiful, but she was barren. Her ability to bear life was missing, and her physical reality is a lot of our physical reality today. You and I, maybe you know what it's like to have a lot going on for you on the outside, to have the right job, to have the right position, to have the right home, to have the right friendships, to have the right car, to have the right degree. Everything is going well for you on the outside, but the ability for you to produce anything life-giving is gone. And maybe you know what it's like to have everything working for you on the outside, but your ability to produce life in yourself or life in others feels like it's dead and it's gone. Sarai is barren. She's beautiful, but she's barren. And so many of us, we wrestle with that. Nobody knows that you're dead on the inside. Nobody knows that you're struggling with this insufficiency to produce anything that is life-giving to you. Maybe you are finding your place in this world and you're finding that this place does not bring life. You're just going about the motions. You're just doing what you do. There's no life in it. 
That's Sarai. Have you ever felt unable to experience life? I'm not talking happiness, but life. You birth life. You are a part of it. Have you ever felt down and depressed? Have you ever felt so anxious that you, you walk into the deepest, darkest places because your thoughts bring you down because you feel like there's no life that's inside of you? When God comes to Abram, he's 75 years old, she is 65 years old, and she is barren but beautiful, and God speaks life into her. In chapter 12, it tells us that God tells Abram that he's going to bless him and he's going to make a nation out of him, that he's going to give him the promised land, but that he's also going to give him children and give him the amount of children that he can't comprehend. God tells him, look at the dust, look at the stars in the next chapters. And he says, I'm going to give you not just a child, but multiple children, countless children. God tells him that he's going to make a massive, influential nation out of him, the kind of nation that is going to influence and bless the world. But what about Sarah? What about Sarai? She is barren. She is empty inside. And the Bible tells us in chapter 11 that she's barren, and yet God speaks life in chapter 12 because God is in the business of speaking life into dead places. The God that we serve does not look at us in our deadness and give up. He does not look at you in your weakness and say, no, I can't do what I want to do in you. The plan that I have, I can't, I can't do it. He's in the business of speaking life. Alex, can you do me a favor? See that T right there? Bring it to me. <coughs> I have no monitor, so I don't know how loud I am. And so I am, I am speaking very loudly. And I'm losing my voice. <clears throat> okay. Y'all work with me. We're all good. We're going to make this happen. So God tells Abram he's going to do this, and he does it while Sarai is barren. The timing of God's promise is important because he speaks a promise of having children over somebody who's incapable of having children. This is why it's important for you and for me. God's promise for your life will almost always seem impossible for you when he reveals it. God's promise for you will almost always seem impossible for you to accomplish when he speaks it over you. Why is God revealing this to her when it is impossible for her to accomplish it? I'll tell you why. Because God's promise will always require you to depend on him to make it happen. God's promise in your life will always require weakness on your part so that you can rely on strength from his part. You need to understand this, that your calling, your promise is never attached to your strengths. It's always attached to your weakness. 
And this is because if it's about you and your ability to accomplish it, then it isn't a promise of God, but a performance of your talent and ability. I'm going to say that again because when I wrote that down, it blessed me. It checked me. If it's in your ability to accomplish, then it isn't a promise of God, but a performance of your talent and ability. It has to be outside of your strength. It has to be outside of your ability. It has to be outside of your capability. So it's going to come in the worst moments in your life. It's going to come when you're at your weakness. It's going to come when, you're, when you feel like you're incapable of accomplishing what it's asked you to do. And it doesn't mean that it's not real. It just means that it's going to require for you to trust him and not yourself. That's the problem. When we're, we're going after God's pro promises, we usually only want to go after them as if, if we can attain them with our own talent. Not if it means risking failing. Not if it means having to trust him more. Not if it means having to give all we got even though we don't know if that will be enough. But I promise you the call of God will always come in a season of your life where you are at your weakest. That's why God promising this to Abram in chapter 12 after we know that Sarai is barren is so key for you and for me. And it gives us good news today. And it gives us a time for you and I to to find hope in the things that God wants to do for us. Whenever you feel like it's not going to work, you need to look back at this scripture, chapter 11. God is saying she is barren and it does not matter to him. No matter how barren your life may feel, no matter how incapable you might be to create anything that would add value to your life, that's what a child would mean to Sarah. Having a child would mean that she would do something that would bring value to her life. And maybe you feel like you're invaluable. Maybe you feel like you're just here living this life, doing this thing, doing the thing and struggling and not knowing how you're going to make things work. And you feel like you hold no value. It's in these moments that God's he's telling us, trust me, I have more. I have something significant that has to be birthed from the person who can't birth a thing. So here is God. Look, I thought we were going to get through six chapters. I don't know. I'm stuck on this verse. This is so important for you and me because I think we get caught up in, well, I, I, I don't feel able and I, I'm at the end of myself, so I'm just going to do something else. I'm going to give up on that thing. And the promise that God has for me obviously isn't what I thought it was because I don't feel capable. It's exactly then that you should trust that this is when I'm supposed to trust him and not myself. And God speaks this to Sarai and he speaks it to Abram in spite of their old age, in spite of their weaknesses, in spite of the things that they feel that, are, that is holding them back, that weakness is the doorway to get you connected to the power of God. So God's promise for your life will almost always seem impossible for you when he, re he reveals it because it's not about your ability to accomplish it. It's about the promise of God and not your performance. So God, he does this, and he gives them this promise. And I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to give you 10 more minutes, 15 more minutes. Is that okay? I'm going to give you what I got. Okay. Chapter 15, 
God has already told Abram that he's going to have children, and he's already revealed to him the covenant, and he's done all these beautiful things. He's gone through the, the fight with, with the king and Melchizedek, and he's accomplished great things, but there's still one thing that he's trying to accomplish. He's got the land. Now he needs the child. You ever felt unfinished? Have you ever felt like God's only done halfway what he promised he would do for you? Have you ever felt like God's not done, but you feel done? Okay, that's where Abram is. Chapter 15, Abram is confused. Abram is confused. God is speaking to him, and in verse 2, Abram says to God, Oh Lord, what will you give me? This is the statement made out of frustration. What will you give me since I am what? Childless. You've given me great victory. You've given me the potential to have this land. I've seen you work in incredible ways, but I still don't have the child. Because it's a delayed delivery. And he's wondering if God's even going to come through. I have no one. I have no child. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, since you have given me no offspring to me. He's saying, you, this is your fault. Have you ever blamed God and said, maybe God just did this to me? Have you ever said, maybe God just wanted me to suffer? Maybe God just wants this for me. Listen, I come from an old-timey religion where if it, if it was negative, God wanted it for you. That's what God wants, baby. That's what he wants. He wants you to struggle. It's good. It's all right. Baby, that's what God wants in your life. That's what he wants. No, 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 no. Abram is doing the same thing. He's saying, you have not given me my offspring or one born in my house. Verse 4, then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man, Eleazar, will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. Why is Abram saying this? Because in chapter 15, He's old, and he's saying, listen, God, me and Sarai, we have been lifeless for too long to expect any life now. We have been lifeless. Have you experienced lifeness, lifelessness, where it feels like I'm just, I'm going through these motions, and I don't feel the life that God is telling me that I can accomplish. He's saying, we have been lifeless for too long to expect it now. So what are you going to do? Then God says, I will give you a child and it's going to come from your own body. Then God takes him out and he says, look at the heavens, count the stars, so will be your descendants. Then we get to chapter 16. We're going to fast forward. Chapter 16, it says this in verse 2. So Sarai said to Abram, Why? Why is she speaking to Abram here? Because she knows the plans that God has for them. Abram has told her. And she's been contemplating and trying to figure out how. Have you ever asked that? Okay, that's great, preacher. How? That's great. But how? You don't know where I've come from. You don't know what I've struggled with. You don't know the difficulties I face in my life, the reputation I have, the vices I struggle with, the bank account I deal with, the mess I got myself into. She says, how? So Sarah said to Abram, this is her response. 
Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. She's blaming God again. My, where I'm at, this is where God wants me. He prevented me from bearing children. Please go to my maid and perhaps obtain children through her. She does the unthinkable. She says, I have a maid. Her name is Hagar. Go and sleep with her because I can't do it. Sarah is 65. Abram is 75. And she's saying, you know what? This God that you're talking about, he must not know biology. He must not understand how our bodies work. I am 65, you are 75. I am long past the age of, it is a physical thing. So many ways she's saying he's too late. That's a great word. It's too late. I'm waiting. I can't go back to school. I can't go back and fix those issues. It's, have you ever said that? It's too late. I've already lost that thing. I've already experienced the issues in my marriage. I've already had the struggles with my children. They've already left me. They've already cast me out. She goes, it's too late. So please go to my maid and have a baby. And listen, Abram's a fool. He does it. He goes. And the Bible says that he impregnates her. This whole thing is, is wild when you look at it. The, their response, and I think their response is crazy because they think God is crazy. Listen, there's not a person in here who has never felt like God was talking crazy to you when he spoke his words over you before. Let me tell you what she's doing. Because she believes that God is kind of crazy, she tries to help God. She says, let me help God get this done. Go ahead and take Hagar. She went to a human solution to try and bring about a spiritual, supernatural promise. I'm going to just give you this quick, this quick just kick in the back. Quit trying to help God. He don't need your help. He don't need it. Quit helping God do what only he can do. She went to a human solution to bring about a supernatural promise. And some of us, the reason that we don't experience the promise of God is because we resort to human solutions for the supernatural that God wants to make available. We resort to it. Maybe you've done it when you've tried to help God. So the Bible says that she makes the mistake of saying, go and take Hagar. And he gets her pregnant. Then the Bible tells us in chapter 16, verse 15 through 16, Hagar bore Abram a son. Abram had his son. And it came from Hagar and not Sarai. The Bible says in verse 16, Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. Genesis 16, 15 through 16. If you have it, put it up. Hagar bore him a son, and he was 86. If you you got to notice this about the scriptures that we're going through. It is constantly reminding us of how old these people are. As if to remind us that it's never too much or impossible for God. It says, so Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the son, the name of his son who Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old. Now listen, the promise was never meant for 
Hagar or Ishmael. It was through Sarah. I love what happens next. I'll tell you why I love it. Because Abram made the biggest mistake of his life and God still does the work that he promised to him even though he made the biggest mistake of his life. The biggest, can I tell you, let me kind of give you an idea of what this is so you know. You may not know this, but the people that come from Ishmael are the Muslims. I'm just being completely honest with you. The line of Ishmael are the Muslim people. The line that comes from Isaac are the Jewish families. They have been at war ever since. Abram made the biggest mistake he could ever make. They're half-brothers, and that's why they hate each other. I love that in this moment where he makes the biggest mistake of his life, God is still gracious, God is still good, God is still merciful, and God still wants to do something significant for him and for his family. The Bible says in chapter 17, now when Abram was 99 years old, in chapter 16, he was 86. Now he's 99. 13 years later. 13 years later, it says the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, these are always important things, you don't want to miss it. It says, I am God Almighty. I love how God introduces himself here. This is the first time that God introduces himself as El Shaddai. Seven times in the Bible is the name El Shaddai mentioned when it comes to referencing who God is. That's his title. This is the first time you will see it. The first time, whenever you notice first times in the Bible, you want to write it down. I'll tell you why. Because first times always hold the most significance. This is the first time you see El Shaddai. El Shaddai is introduced here as God is about to speak to Abram about the thing that he wants to do for Sarah. I am God Almighty, El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. Verse 6, we're going to come back to El Shaddai. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants and throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. I could just see Abram. He's excited. Man, it's been 13 years, and I've been waiting to hear God confirm this. I could just see the joy that Abram is feeling in this moment because God is now confirming that he's going to fulfill the promise that he has for him. But, but, but it, God shifts here. Verse Verse 15, this is what God says. Then God said to Abram, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai anymore, but Sarah shall be her name. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but I'm just going to tell you like this. That word Sarah means princess. So God is taking a barren woman, and now he is changing her and her name 
to be somebody considered to be a princess. I love that God does that. And I love that he picks a name so specific to remind us in the worst places of our lives, God can turn anything around. And he can call us by a name. And he can give us a new identity. And that's the good news of the gospel, that God gives us a new identity even when we don't deserve it. That God gives us a new identity even when we make bad decisions. Sarai didn't have the faith that she needed. And yet God was still good enough and merciful enough and gracious enough to change her very status from, from somebody who was, who was cast away as not having children to the name princess. She will be called Sarah. And then listen, I will bless. Now it's no longer God blessing Abram. I will bless her. Ladies, don't miss this. This God wants to bless you. This God has something special for you. Your identity isn't just found in the man that you're attached to. Your identity is given to you by your God, and he has a plan for you, and it's a good one. And he says to her, I will bless her, and indeed, I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. God does not forget about Sarah. No matter how barren she has been, no matter how many struggles she has had, he is now 99 years old. She is 89 years old, and God is saying, I still got a plan for you, Sarah. So the Bible says that he says in verse 17, then Abram fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, will a child be born to a man 100 years old. Don't miss it. Abram's not 100. He's 99. You may not think it's a big deal. He's just rounding up. No, he's exaggerating. Just like me and you do whenever God gives us news. I didn't know way. After all I've done, what you've done or where you're at is, is nowhere near bad enough for God not to do something for you. He says, I'm 100 years old. Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, he calls her Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? He's completely questioning God. He has doubt. And Abram said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. He says, the child that I have through Hagar, why don't you just use that? Use him. I don't, I don't have the, the strength physically, honestly, he's saying, to do this. He's 100 years old. He's physically incapable, incapable of doing this thing. And he said, I don't know that I have the strength. Now, we want to laugh at it because it's, it's a sexual thing that he's referencing here. But have you ever felt physically unable? I just don't have it in me. I don't have the patience, the strength, the fortitude to keep pushing. He says, I'm, I can't do this. Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. He's bargaining. Have you ever bargained with God? God, would you just do this? And would you, How many of you bargained with God last week when you played the Powerball? I know you did. I know you did. God, if I win this, I'm going to give the church 10%. No, you won't. You don't give it now, you won't give it then. My mom, I know my mom, she, she had a whole stack of things she was trying to buy. Praying over it, Lord, in Jesus' name. 
Make this happen. Lord, give me this money. We'll build you a church. Not going to happen. It's funny. It's funny that we, we say this here, and I want to wrap this up. He's bargaining. Hey, listen. Don't help God and stop bargaining with God. Stop trying to help him. Stop trying to add human solutions. You know what those are. I don't have to go into it. And stop bargaining with him. He's going to do what he wants to do. The Bible says, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Make the promise go through him. But God said no. I love that. God could have said, okay, yeah, I can do that. You're old. You're tired. Won't do it. I get it. But God said no. Sometimes God's no's lead to bigger blessings. Oh, you're not hearing me. Oh, you're hearing me. God said no. Abram must have been frustrated. And yet it was going to be for his good that God, sometimes God will tell you no. And it's better for you than what he, if he would have told you yes. He says no. Don't take no as God is abandoning you. Don't take no as God is not working through you. Don't take no as God is not going to do for you what he promised for you. We're going to experience no's. We're going to have no's in our life. But those no's will eventually lead us to God's yes. And he says right here, no, but, you're, you're, but Sarah will have a wife and will bear you a son. And you shall call his name Isaac and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Beautiful news. God does all of this. He says all of this. And it's beautiful. But here it is. Chapter 18. I told you we're going to get through. No, let me stay here. 17. Holy Spirit just hit me. Didn't I say I was going to tell you about El Shaddai? I was going to tell you about El Shaddai. The reason that it's important that you would see that God introduced himself as El Shaddai. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding me about this. He's like, you forgot to tell them that I am El Shaddai. You know what El Shaddai means? El Shaddai means that God is all-powerful and all-sufficient. That's the name. It's funny to me that God, would, that God would, in this chapter, when he's about to tell him that I can do the impossible with the thing that you don't think is capable, he's going to introduce himself as El Shaddai, meaning I am more than enough, meaning I don't need any help. What does that mean for you and me? And what is God saying? What God is saying to him as he introduces himself as El Shaddai is that what I say will come to pass. That's what he's saying. I don't need your help. I don't need you telling me how to do it. What I say will come to pass. It's telling us that he has the final say in every situation. And the timing is important because this is where Abram has realized that God's promise is not going to look the way his promise was going to be in his eyes. Or how can I rephrase that? It was not going to look the way he wanted it to look. It wasn't going to come out as Ishmael. It's going to come through Isaac. So God introduces him as El Shaddai, saying to him, I am El Shaddai. It will happen because I have said it will happen. I am El Shaddai. I'm the one who has spoken, and I will bring about my purposes. I don't need 
your help, and there can be no alternative to my plan. This is why it's important that we see that El Shaddai was speaking. Because when El Shaddai speaks in your life, you may want to say no, you may want to believe other things, but he is all-powerful. He is all-capable. He has every power that you could ever imagine, and nothing you could do can change that. He says, I'm El Shaddai. Chapter 18, we're going to end right here. It says in chapter 18, then they said, ah, this is the passage that we were in when we started. Chapter 18, then they said, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, there in the tent. He said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the door, which was behind him. Now, Abram and Sarah were old. Advanced in age, Sarah was past childbearing. Do you see the one, two, three? They were old. What else? Huh? Past childbearing and advanced in age. Every time you see three, it's to emphasize just how extreme this is. Three excuses. They were old, advanced in age, and Sarah was past childbearing. Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I have become old, shall I have pleasure? Notice what she's talking about. She's not talking about having children. Having children isn't pleasurable. She's saying, shall I have pleasure with my Lord being so old as he is? And the Lord said, she's saying he can't do it physically. And the Lord's, dang, and the Lord, why you got to put my business, why you got to tell well, I got to tell God what he can't do. He's El Shaddai. Right, gentlemen? Come on. El Shaddai can do all things. And none of y'all, y'all men are being very quiet. I ain't going to say that. They're going to all think I have struggles. Now, listen. And, and the Lord said, hey, look, we're all, we're all human. And the Lord said to Abram, why did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I indeed bear a child while I'm so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord. I want to end here. I want you to get this. There is a 25-year gap, 25, from the moment that God spoke the promise to the fulfillment of it. 25 years. Why is this delay happening? Why does this delay happen? It happens because the flesh entered and they tried to help God make the promise work. This is where we see that the delays that happen in our lives when it comes to grabbing a hold of God's promises, they come because of our disobedience. God will delay your receiving of the promise until you trust him, no matter how difficult the situation. This is a 25-year gap, and it came because they were so focused on the fact that they were old. They were so focused on the fact that they didn't have enough. They were so focused on that that they did not see what God could do. So they had a 25-year gap. Your delay is probably tied to your disobedience. Your delay is intricately connected to your denial of God's ability 
to get past the facts. So God said, is there anything too difficult for me? I'm going to come back next year and you're going to have a child. Verse tw- chapter 21. This is it, the whole life of Sarah, chapter 21. Look at this. Then the Lord took note of Sarah and he said, and the Lord, as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he promised. He fulfills his promises. Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abram in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Now Abram was 100 years old when Isaac was born to him. It's never too late. No matter what mistakes you make, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how oily you screw things up, And I know you've done it. I've done it. We've all done it. God is still faithful. And he's able. And I want to I encourage you with this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to read through this, but I want you to stand up as I read it. Come on, stand up with me. Stand up with me. Because Paul references this in the book of Romans. He references Abram. He references Sarah. And this is what he says. For this reason, it is by faith trying to tell us that the purpose of our life, the focus of our life is founded on faith. It is for this reason, it is by faith in order that it may be in accordance with grace. So that the promise will be guaranteed to all of the descendants. Hey, listen, in case you didn't know, the promise that God has for you It's not just for Abram, for Sarah, and for the nation of Israel. It says right here, it's guaranteed to all of the descendants. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abram, who is the father of us all. This is so important. We're in Romans chapter 4, 16 through 24. This is important. You have to see it. Because what he's trying to teach us is this. The promise of God that he has for you is solidified in your faith. Because of your faith, you are now descendants of Abram. And you and I, we get to have this promise. And it says, guaranteed to us. Guaranteed. He is the father of us all. As it is written, a father of many nations, I have made you in the presence of him whom he believed, even God, check this out, who gives life to the dead and calls into being which does not exist. In hope against hope, meaning when there was no hope, Abram believed so that he might become the father of many nations according to that which he had spoken. So shall your descendants be. But here's, here it is. Here's what I want to leave you. Verse 19. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body. He said, I'm 100 years old, but God said this about my promise. I'm 100 years old, but God said this about my promise. I'm 100 years old, but God said this about my... Contemplating his own body. 
Now, as good as dead, it was, he was 100 years old. He was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith. This is what you need to get right now as you pursue God's promises, as, as you feel like you are unable to do it because you're struggling with the reality. Look at what Abram did. It says that Abram said, I thought about my problem, then I thought about his promise. I thought about my problem, then I thought about his promise. I thought about my, I contemplated my problem, but then I remembered his promise. And then the Bible says that he got through it. It says he grew strong. And maybe you don't feel strong enough to trust in God's promises. How do you do it? It says right there in verse 20, by giving glory to God, he was able to receive the strength. And what he's saying is this, I thought about my problem, but then I thought about God's promise. And what got me through is that I praised God in the midst of my problem and my praise helped me to believe in God's promise. And because of that, I received what God had for me. So it's in those moments where you feel like you can't do it. Start giving God some praise. Start trusting him. Start praising him. And you'll access the power, the strength to be able to access the problem. Okay, the promise. Sorry about that. Listen, Sarah was 90 years old when she had a baby. You may not think of things the way I do, but let me know what I would have thought. Well, after I have this baby, how much longer am I going to have with it? I'm 90 years old, God. I'm only going to have like 10 years left. Thanks. Do you know Sarah died at 127 years old? You know she's the only woman in the Bible that when she died, the author tells us her age. There's only men that, that their age is attached to them. She's the only woman. Why is that important for you? Why is that important for me when it comes to God's promises and what we feel like is God taking too long? Because God wants us to know that even though it looks like he's taking a long time for himself to come through, it's telling us that when he does come through, you're going to have enough time in this life to enjoy the promises that he's given to you. It's not too late. It's never too late. He'll give you the time. You enjoy the promises that he has for you. She got to enjoy what took so long for her to have, and it only came because she believed. And I think that the Lord wants us to have his promises. It's not too late. She got to be with that child for 37 years. How much time does God want you to have with your promise? How much more does God have for you now if you would just believe, if you just trust him, no matter where you're at? Well, is that good? Come on, put your hands together. <laughs>